I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, February 14th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Jay, it is February 14th, so happy Valentine's Day. At least we hope Valentine's Day is a common time of the year for actually getting dumped, surprisingly. I believe it. But if you are nursing a broken heart, there's good news. One company is conducting a study to find the most effective breakup song to help you move on. Now, the study will consist of listening to 24 hours of breakup songs. Some angst-ridden jams that we hope are included in the test are Burn by Usher, also, You Got It Bad by Usher. There's a, a number of Usher songs you can include in this. Marvin's Room by Drake. Gives You Hell by the All-American Rejects. Jay, that's, you know, we, I was in high school when that song came out, but you might remember it from working life. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have a favorite breakup song, Jay? I do. It doesn't help me move on, but when I was in the business of getting broken up with, I always listened to, this is going to date me as well, The Cure, Pictures of You. It's a very sad song. And it will keep you sad for as long as you want. And it's a great song. So that's the one that that was my go-to. I also like, there's a new one. Is it Selena Gomez? Yeah, Single Soon. Yeah, I like that one. That's a jam. <laughs> I really like that. My, my kids like that one too, or at least my son does. And we jam to that one sometimes in the car. So yeah, like a good breakup song. You know, anything that's really emotional lends itself to being a great song. So I'm, all, I'm down with I'll it. I'll make a suggestion. I think you should go upbeat, something positive. Maybe Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. Yeah. Something to really help you move on. Like, why dwell in it? You know, it's it's time to move on. And so that's my suggestion. Maybe there's a companion. There's like the one that, that uh, keeps you sad for a little bit, then the one that gets you back on your feet. Well, it's like the <laughs> it's the trough of sorrow, but you got to get out. Like, it's cyclical. It's up and down. Yeah. Well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. <laughs> yeah, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Brett, aside from that, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, Fed's ordered to address Canada's judge shortage. For our second story, is the World Cup good for Canada's economy and our big picture? For our first story, housing isn't the only shortage facing the federal government these days. It turns out there are about as many judges in Canada as there are apartments for under 1500 bucks a month. But what are we going to do about it? So Ottawa has been ordered to start appointing judges across the country more quickly, according to the Toronto Star. The ruling found that vacant judicial slots have backlogged the legal system, in some cases leading to criminal cases being tossed out. The presiding judge in the case, which was led by a Canadian human rights lawyer, said the slow appointment process has created an, as a quote, untenable and appalling crisis. Now, this is all happening because, according to the ruling, the government did not offer up a justification for its slow pace. But since the feds began reforming the appointment process in 2016, to improve transparency and impartiality, unfilled vacancies jumped from about 40 to 73. Canada's Chief Justice wrote an open letter to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau last year, saying the pace of appointments could weigh down the benefits of the changes. This all matters because criminal cases in Canada need to be tried within 30 months or they're tossed out. Gun charges, an alleged sexual assault, and a human trafficking case are a few that have been recently thrown out of Toronto's Superior Court because of judge vacancies. And in Alberta, nearly a quarter of criminal cases that involve serious and violent crimes exceed the 30-month window. That brings us to the big picture, which is that the Chief Justice has warned that the systemic judge shortage was not only causing cases to fall through the cracks, but could undermine trust in the legal system. For our second story, like us after putting down a non-refundable deposit to book the perfect venue for a birthday party, Vancouver and Toronto are hoping, they've got their fingers crossed, that playing the host will be worth it. 
Yeah, here's what's driving the news, Brett. Vancouver and Toronto will host seven and six FIFA 2026 World Cup matches, respectively. Neither city has given an update cost estimate since 2022, so now attention has turned to figuring out how much playing host will actually cost, and then we can talk about whether it's worth it. In 2022, Toronto estimated that hosting would cost the city $300 million, but that projection was made with the expectation that it would host five games, not six. Vancouver claimed hosting duties would cost about $250 million, but part of that is going to sprucing up BC Place, an endeavor plagued with cost overruns in the past. It matters because sides are split on just how much economic benefit the World Cup will bring. City officials are championing the tourney, with Toronto estimating a $1.2 billion boost to Canada's GDP, while economists pointing to decades of historical data are less chipper. Experts are skeptical of tourism benefits as the Cup takes place during the already busy summer, potentially offsetting gains by displacing non-footy-crazed tourists. As one economist told the Canadian press, there is almost no way that people don't know what Toronto is, and Vancouver, of course, is in a very similar situation. Yeah, here's the big picture. Massive international sporting events are growing less attractive to host due to high costs, or in some cases, the displacement of people. The balance sheet at the end of the World Cup could determine whether Canada will be motivated to bid for future events. Yes, but the economic value of the World Cup might be overstated, but the cultural value is incalculable. For a nation like Canada, whose love of the beautiful game is blossoming, the opportunity to host could be the first step in becoming a real deal soccer powerhouse. And here's the big picture. Prices for Valentine's Day candy soar. Popular candy brands, including Sour Patch Kids, Jolly Ranchers, and Haribo. Am I pronouncing that right? We don't have that in the States. Haribo are punishing last-minute Valentine's Day shoppers, listing some products for well over double the typical price. Sour Patch Kids were listed at retailers like Walmart for $5.38, which are usually $1.68, while Haribo Gummy Bears are priced at $8.11, and they're regularly under $3.25. Evergrande put Chateau Montebello up for sale. Chinese real estate developer Evergrande, which was ordered to liquidate the $245 billion in assets, is selling the historic Chateau Montebello in Quebec. The hotel holds the title of the largest log cabin in the world and is the main employer in the small town of Montebello. Rural communities get a boost. The federal government is launching a pair of funding initiatives for Canadians in rural areas aimed at addressing health care and housing issues. The feds will increase student loan forgiveness for rural doctors and nurses by 50% and will spend $176 million to build over 50,000 new housing units in rural communities. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Have a great Valentine's Day, Peak Pals. Shockwave.